Alright guys, and welcome to a kind of a special edition of the Joe Rogan Experience Review today. Um, it seems like this week Joe is on vacation or doing something. So, I'm going to fill in the time with some interesting ideas that I've wanted to work on. And today, this is a doozy. This one I've been wanting to do for some time. And I have my good buddy with me, Mark Hampton. How you doing, Mark? Yeah, what's up, buddy? Now, today's episode, and, and I haven't even thrown Mark this direction yet, is a bit of an homage to what Joe Rogan has done for the comedy store and for comedy as a whole over like the last eight years okay because there's been some big changes in stand-up am i right mark yeah there's been huge changes in stand-up and and the comedy store has changed a big deal too and they're selling out every night and mark is actually up there performing what do you do now mark about twice a month yeah about that but i mean it varies it depends on when i get booked um, yeah, but yeah, you know, tw- twice a month to once every six weeks. You know, okay. I'm still new at it, so yeah. When they you- when they invite my ass, <laughs> <laughs> the lucky ones they get up there. But yeah, exactly, exactly that. I mean, you get to get up there, you see the energy, you see how it's changed, and mm-hmm. you know, it's not just that he does the podcast. It's not just that he does UFC. He does something that's very close to both Mark and my heart, and today we're going to talk about it. So let's start this review. Okay, buddy. All we right. are a go. We are a go. How are you today, by the way? I haven't seen you for a while. I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I, um... Went to the chiropractor yesterday, and um, for those of you out there who have never been to the chiropractor but have always dreamed of spending a lot of money and learning how to die like a henchman in a 90s Steven Seagal film, go to the <laughs> chiropractor. It will, it, will, it will achieve both of those fantasies. No, it was good. It was good. He, uh, he adjusted me. I cracked in ways I didn't know I could crack, and I kind of felt drunk afterwards. But really? um, yeah, in the best way. Ah, and it's all I that feel... vodka you're keeping in your spinal column. Oh, that could be it. That could be mm. it. It's like how people have LSD flashbacks. I have, <laughs> yeah. vodka, I have vodka flashbacks. Just I've vodka become a sorority Kino. girl. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> you guys. He bent me in so many different ways. I didn't even know I was that flexible. <laughs> now, this was because of your car accident. Right? Yeah, because of my car accident. Your um, car accident. But you're going to be able to make the comedy later? Yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be Perfect. Fine we'll yeah, wheel you up on that stage. Don't worry. I will probably be taller. He did this Ooh. one thing where he like, I felt I've always felt like my skull was compressing the, like the, my spine, and he mm-hmm. just did this thing where it popped, and I was like, I bet I'm two inches taller now. I bet I am now the tallest person in my family again. <laughs> it probably does work that way. <laughs> probably get a little bit, of, a little bit extra space. In yeah. There. So, so yeah. Exactly. And, and again, back to the comedy. We have a show tonight. It's an interesting show in Koreatown-ish. It is K-town. Koreatown, right? K-town. Yeah, it's K-town. Yo, mm-hmm. Shout out. Uh, and it's one <laughs> where you pick the categories out of a bucket. Mm-hmm. You don't get to do your material. And whatever the category says, you got to riff on it. You got to make something very funny, very quick. And I'll tell you why I like this show or like the idea of it. I like pursuing it and doing it. 
one because it's very difficult yeah you like it because it's you like things that are hard yeah and i and i think with comedy you you want to have that mentality because it's already hard you, you do if you didn't like difficult things and you want to get into stand-up that it, uh you need to readjust because yes go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah of course you have to readjust and and where I get this idea back to Joe is because I go to a show and, and Mark often accompanies me and, and enjoys the show too called Stand Up on the Spot, which is usually in the belly room of the which is the small room and Mark's the performed be- the best there, room. Right? I love yeah. that. Yeah. Chappelle did his um last Netflix special in the belly room. So and it's something about it. People love that room. They really a, they have a lot of respect for it. It's intimate. It kind of feels like one of those New York basement clubs, to be perfectly mm. honest, even though it's like upstairs. But it feels yeah. like a basement club. It's kind of, it's got, you know, it's got the red lights, just a little bit seedy looking. Yeah. Um, the waitresses just hate you automatically. It, <laughs> but there's this, there's this cool vibe. It's just like, and anyone that goes in there with pretense kind of gets fucked up. It's just, there's no room for bullshit in there. It's a, it's a great room, man. Yeah, and I, do, I really do think it's the only room you can do a show like that in. I think a bigger room, it becomes chaotic. It does. Well, a bigger room requires bigger energy, I think. For sure, for sure. You can it lose it more. But again, you get to see the top-level guys, and Joe Rogan often does that show. He often headlines yeah, it. It's Jeremiah Watkins' show, and the audience can just shout things out, and you go from there. And I And with Joe Rogan, I think that why he does that one because, I mean, he's really, at least at the comedy store, he's as big as it gets for a guy that's there all the time. Yeah, he could stop doing anything right now and be completely fine. So the fact that he's doing, like, little 80-seat, you know, rooms in the comedy store is pretty fucking cool, actually. It really is. And it, and it shows his dedication, but more so it shows the level of training. He knows there's something in there that other stand-ups aren't necessarily taking advantage of. And it... It yep. really is one of those things. I mean, it. You are as vulnerable as it gets. You are as scared. You in are that naked. Sense. Yeah, you're naked. It's very difficult, and yeah. and it inspires me to go want to do that same thing. I mean, I want to get good at this. I know it you did, do too. It's the exact and, same for me. You were so good at the last um, uh, challenge, Mike. We did. You were really good. Like, oh, thanks, buddy. You, you, you. Once you really get like into your crowd work, I think you're going to be like, I think that's going to be a real strength of yours because of the way you can just give endless shit to people and you're not scared <laughs> of anyone. So like <laughs> there's, there's something that comes from, I always said this cause I like when I've known so many people in martial arts, my like my uh, college roommate was in martial arts and I was like the level of confidence that comes with knowing that you can kill someone and they can't kill you is just second to none. <laughs> it's just like right. I have the ability to murder you. You can't murder me. So I can say anything I goddamn want right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the same with Rogan and his yeah. Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, his national champion taekwondo stuff. And mm-hmm. and he has this great story that he tells when the first time he ever did stand up, he's like, well, you know, I, I teach a class. He, te- he taught a, a taekwondo class at Boston University uh, uh-huh. when he was very young before he got into comedy. And, you know, and he competed 
So that's like high level of like fear and nervousness. And he thought, well, yeah, I could at least get up on stage and, and tell some jokes. And he talks about how he was so surprised at how scared he got. So mm-hmm. surprised at how nervous he was. And, you know, he took he took that energy, that energy you're talking about. I can I could kick anyone's ass. Like I had no real yeah. reason to be afraid of this. And then he realized there's something more to this. There's something Absolutely. very it's an it, it is a nice little backup though for a, a bit of confidence. And it's not like anyone ever thinks that way, but No, but of the, course not. Maybe it's more so that with the security work we've done, you and I have worked uh, on the door and security at, at bars and nightclubs for some time. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, something comes from that too. There's a little bit of, you know, shit talking and crowd work heckling that, that we, you kind of can practice, well, right? You're dealing with be, drunk people. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I was a small kid growing up. I'm not small anymore, but I was small growing up. And I learned the best way to deal with bullies. It's not to punch them, although that works. Um, <laughs> A good point. It's, it's to fu- it's to fucking embarrass them. That's it. To right. define to find their weakness and exploit it, poke it, prod it, expose it, expose it to as many people as you possibly can, and that's their weakness. And if you do that, if you can, you know, and that's why I started developing like my wit. I was like, be sharp, be sharp as attack. Don't let don't let anything go by. And so. I kind of feel like, because I, I don't know any fucking martial arts. I think I've been a white belt three times. And I think that was a charity <laughs> case. They're like, just give the kid a fucking belt. His pants are falling down. Um, so, But that's kind of like my martial art is wit and being able to kind of sum somebody up and how stupid they look immediately. And just knowing that that's in the back of my mind. And even though nobody knows that, sometimes they can bullies can feel that. They can feel the ones not to fuck with. They can feel the ones that are ready for them. You know. Yeah. Well, they're always looking for the weak ones. They're always, always. looking for someone to pick on. It's just a, it's just a search for the alpha and a search for the beta. Yeah, so. I wonder if there are any bully types that do stand up at a high level. I don't think that there. No, would be. I don't think I don't think it there's a chance line because, because bullies are cowards. Yeah, and stand up suffers no cowards. You can't do it. You just can't. And what and what are bullies afraid of? They're afraid of being embarrassed. That's why they act out the way they do. And what's the yeah. one place you're guaranteed to be embarrassed? Uh, doing stand up. Yeah. You will it will happen. You will bomb. Anyone thinking about doing it, and this is not to discourage anybody, but if you're thinking about doing stand up, you will bomb. And that's okay. Because you learn the first time I bombed it was the most miserable experience of my life. And now I'm like, ah I fucking bombed. Whatever. Yeah, it's so it's so important. I think if you go too long without bombing, that could be your downfall. It could be could because it because you you maybe have forgotten. And well, you start to you start to learn audiences. There are different audiences, and I'm I'm one of these comics and performers that I do not like to blame the audience, but because if they're not vibing on the jokes you're telling. That's not their fault. They're just not vibing on it. And part of your job as a comic is to read the audience and get to the audience. I hate comics that get up and they're like, okay, so here's how it works, guys. I tell the jokes and you laugh. It's like, no, 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 no. How it works is you tell the jokes and we'll tell you if they're funny or not. And you got to yeah. read a room, and if you're feeling like, oh, this isn't working, then you got to, in the moment, figure your shit out. Like, is it performance? Do I need to up my energy? Do I need to get them engaged? 
should I do crowd work? Should I shift my set? What am I doing? You know, I think it's important. Yeah. That's something that you do very well at the comedy store too, because there is a, a wide range of audience that shows up. I mean, really with the comedy that I've done, it's either other open micers or people coming to my own show or mostly comedians. And I have a feeling like I have a bit of an idea who they are, but I mean, I've seen you perform in the main room. Um, no, no, wait, Original. You're in you're the original room. My I bad. do the original OR, mostly, the, yeah. The OR, the OR, yeah, which which is mm-hmm. a beautiful room for comedy, too. Oh, it's amazing. It's the room. room. It's the room. mecca, it I is. think. Yeah, it is. It's where I've seen the best comedy done in the comedy store, for sure. You know, just absolutely uh, top-level guys just joining in at the end of a show and just riffing and going wild. And I, and I love that room. And it's set up so good, that low ceiling. It, all of it is set up well. But I've seen you have, you know, you've had like a bunch of older Jewish women in the audience before. Oh, um, they love me. Yeah, shout-out to uh, Jordan Michaels. <laughs> What up, Jordan? Yeah, probably bringing most of his ants in there. And, Love you it. know, and just like different ages and then a bunch of younger people and then uh, at times a more drunk audience. And Yeah, those are always get, fun. You get away. Like there's always that feeling out portion that you have to do and that you've got your kind of openers set up for that. Yep. And then you, I, I see, I don't know if, how conscious are you of it? Because I see it. I get to watch you change the way that you're delivering, like either your speed or your volume or exactly what you're saying. I wonder if it just starts to happen naturally. I think it is or a little bit. are you seeing it? Okay. I mean, I'm a, I'm a high energy comedian anyway. And I, the biggest lesson I've had to recently learn is to tone it down, um, to actually bring my energy down a little bit because I get, I go, 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 go mainly because I want to get all my jokes in, in the time I have. And I write too sure. many goddamn jokes and I fall in love with <laughs> all of them. I'm like, I'm like a joke polygamist. I want to marry all of them. And, um, <laughs> so yeah, that's for me, but you know, it, it's sussing out an audience and it's nice to actually watch other comics before you. I hate opening cause I just, I'm not the, I don't have the energy of an opener. I'm just not. Um, and so I hate opening, a show because you have no idea of how this audience is. They haven't gotten settled in. Um, they're not sure what they're in for things like that. Yeah. Um, but if you can watch a couple of comics and you can read the room, you can see what's working, what's not, what energy. And it's not to say that you necessarily must tailor your set and your performance to the audience, but you also have to understand how to bring the audience in. A lot of it is, I mean, it goes back to, I mean, cause I was, I learned, I was in acting school for years and it's always about relationship. And when you're on stage by yourself, there's only one to, person to be in relationship with. And that's the audience. You can't, you don't have a scene partner, you don't have multiple scene partners, you just have the audience. And so if there's division, and when you have those low energy audiences that are like arms crossed, like make me laugh, there's division. And it's on you to bring down that wall to engage to get them to open up to get them lively. Um, And so that's kind of what I try to do more than anything. Crowd works Crowd work works really well with that. Just even getting asking a couple of questions, people feel energized. They're like, ooh, I'm interacting. It's not just a TV screen. Yeah. Does that make sense? And, and yeah. if you pull that off, like it's riskier, but it's more real. People it is love more real. the idea that you can just take a bit of information and turn it into 
something funny, which again comes back to this show that we're doing yeah. tonight, and then also the stand up on the spot version. Now, the other exactly. night, when we, you, we all went to watch Stand Up on the Spot, and we saw some great comics. Pete Holmes was there. Mm-hmm. Um, Rogan, obviously, Rogan. headlining it. Brian Callen, and, and you know, some did better than others. And I wish I remember that girl's name, who was... Uh, they, the, the opener, she was fantastic. She just yeah, got the 50,000... Uh, Instagram followers, or whatever. I loved her. Actually, I like I like both of the female comics. I thought they were really, really good. Um, yeah, yeah. Because so much of that show is just it's kind of mixing with the audience, and you and again they're in relationship with the audience. They are talking to that crowd. They're getting it going. Like when um, one girl got Target, and she was like, "Oh my god, I love you." Because she was like, and this is a whole. It was like this love affair. Because she's like, I could talk about Target. For a million years, and then she just goes on about all the things she loves about Target. It was amazing. Yeah, and and you and that's a big part of it. You have to connect like that, and in a way, that is some of the most beautiful things about training. Because if you're writing your own material, you've got it right, so you know it. You know it verbatim, yeah. and you can chat. But at any minute, if things go off the rails, or even if you're bored, and you yep. just feel like you're in a really funny mood. With the training of that show, you can just slip into something else and just go for it and see. 100%. Like it's, it's the r- comedy roulette. I mean, good luck. And, you know, what better way to prepare for it? Now, now, who would you say was the strongest performers that night? And not to take anything away from people that weren't, but were there well, any I, surprises? Actually, uh, I, th- I thought Pete Holmes was the strongest that night. He was very he was, good, wasn't he? He was so funny. And he even, I mean, because he made mention several times that he didn't think the crowd was feeling him. And I was like, are you insane? Uh-huh. Like, this is a dude that's like doing Carnegie Hall and some shit. And I was doing an 80 person room. And I guess he wasn't, I guess it wasn't what he was expecting or something. But I thought he slayed it. And I thought everybody was loving him. Um, and I think, uh, I think Rogan was really strong too. Rogan just ranted. I mean that's all Rogan did. It might as it could have been his podcast, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Almost right. I mean, like it really could have been funny version of it. He, Rogan yeah. was Rogan was doing really well that night, especially really well. well. He he almost always um, delivers an excellent performance. Uh, he does something a little bit different. He has everybody raise their hands. It's almost like yeah. being in school. But I think I think he does that because so many of the people that go go to watch him. And they right. often get a little bit too excited, and they're like yelling everything, so it's chaos. So he, I think he, do, he doesn't like. I think he wishes that he, he didn't have to do it that way, but I think he gets a bit out of control. But yeah, he I has agree. he has an excellent flow once he gets he does. going. He really he, does. Yeah, he really hits on some good things. I was trying to think earlier what some of the um, categories were that 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 stood out. Um, what was a uh, Pete Davies? Is that his name? The Area Fifty One guy? Oh no, 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 Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. It yeah. sounds like Pete Davies, so you know, yeah, exactly uh, close. the same. In fact, um, Bob Lazar. That was really fascinating. That was just fascinating to listen to. Yeah, but the fact that he kind of turned it into a comedy bit was quite interesting yeah. too. It was I mean, amazing. It was kind of funny. Yeah, and what what a flow and what a brave setup. I mean, you know, I just don't. I really don't get. It why and I, when i first watched it i almost didn't get why one anyone would do that show but especially joe and especially the the 
higher level comics like i've seen eric andre do it i've seen right homes you mm-hmm. know i think a lot of it is that they know like they, these people know rogan and yeah you know it's all about the technique of like oh shit he does that i'll try that or maybe he baits them in because obviously he wants to work on shows with people he enjoys Absolutely. i know that's a big part of it so he's he definitely pulls some people in um because i see people that like i've te- seen tom segura do it and he was amazing too but he segura had no interest in doing it he no. was up there and he was like i don't know why i'm doing this this seems like a terrible <laughs> he idea he was just like all right whatever just throw out some ideas yeah yeah okay. oh, and then he just right. told stories that related to it i was like yeah he's got a story for everything it was pretty amazing like he was mm. stand up on the spot it was just his life he was like, yeah, this this shit happened. Oh, yeah, this is what happened when my kid shit on me or blah, 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 blah. And he just tells this fucking story. And it's just everybody's engaged. It was pretty interesting. He was superb. And, and he then just, just stayed funny. very calm. He stayed very calm. And then he has his way of telling stories. Yeah. And and that's just his way of like he, he makes something funny out of it. He gets silly and he just goes. So, I'm exactly. sure so much of that is just staying i mean it's it always is staying calm right when you're doing stand-up you want to stay calm but but i mean it's it's really like just letting maybe the fear flow right through you and just letting your your mind and your brain tell a story it's not out of body i don't i don't want to go too far but when i was doing that show the other week um yeah some of those stories while i was saying them i was like oh damn that's quite funny like, yeah. it was coming out before I was really thinking about what I was saying. And well, you were in the zone. That's what happens when you're in the flow, man. That's what happens. You just, He's, like, these things just come out. It's like mania. I mean, it is kind of mania, you know? Yeah. It's And it just, like, you're almost, it's, it's kind of out of body sometimes. Like, when it happens to me, my brain is just firing on all cylinders. And I'm yeah. not even, like, it's just like, go, 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 go. I'm not even having to think about it it's like my brain is just working independently of me it's just like i got this motherfucker and goes uh-huh. you know yeah I, and then I mean, when it's th- and when i'm not doing that it's like oh my brain is like you on your own bitch <laughs> yep well not even that your brain betrays you completely it will it will delete every memory you've ever had for every like memory you've ever had because it's completely just... focused on all these people are looking me stone faced like Ooh. they're they're a jury of twelve people who've just been given overwhelming evidence that I murdered thirty people. <laughs> it really <laughs> is like that. I mean, it it is as simple as this. The is is high of a high as we've been talking about. The yeah. low of the low exists, and you will probably feel that more than the other one. Yet you it will. still brings you back. It's yeah. it's like being a heroin addict, but only one out of seven baggies actually feels good. The others make you feel like you're going to die. Right. It's like they just send you through immediate withdrawal. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, I need, <laughs> like that would set. No one would do drugs. Actually, that's not true. Everyone would still do drugs. <laughs> they just They'd take seven things of heroin at once, but like, one of them's going to do it. One of them is going to be good. I guess it depends how high that high is. But, I mean, with stand-up, so. it's a beautiful thing. And, and you know, the way Joe talks about it on his part, it's not just, hey, I'm famous, listen to my podcast, and come to the comedy store, right? Yeah. He describes in great detail what comedy is, 
what it does, what the process is, how they work through it. And then he gets, he's, think of the comedians that he's made really big too, for sure. Airy, massive. I mean, the, and don't get me wrong, these are all incredibly talented people that definitely deserve this spot, but there was almost no way to get it out. And to say, oh, it would, we just have to wait for social media. Well, in a way, I mean, Joe is his own brand of social media. He is. You know, he's he's the, you know, he's the true kind of like servant leader. It's like servant leadership and that his, like, he's got everything he ever wants. So now he's really put, putting efforts towards helping other people, which is kind of, I, I feel like the epitome of the greatness of humanity. Somebody's like, I've got it all. Now let me just give to others and yeah. help you guys. Let me shine a spotlight on that. It's pretty fucking cool, actually. It it really is. And he, he's very down to earth because he's been in a very yeah. privileged position since like 94. That's when yeah. he got on uh, news radio. Yeah. He's pretty much had money ever since. It wasn't till fear factor that he had what he likes to call fuck you money to right. where he doesn't need anything else and he can just mm-hmm. pursue any direction but supposedly he was always very generous and very giving and always made room for that and that's that's pretty fucking cool that he didn't just like get completely ahead of himself especially because it's easy to call joe rogan a douchebag it's easy for people to be like oh he looks like a douchebag but you know oh. what someone that has been called that and looks a bit like it to choose not to really act that way and be very kind and and yeah. for for the majority of his adult life is it says something and and it it's does. that it's that he giving not back. A he's definitely no. not a douchebag. Yeah, I mean, well, he, maybe he has his tendencies. He, he sometimes comes out with some stuff, but I but no, so. he's he's a he's definitely a good dude and. Since we've had other big comics up there, like uh, Mencia, for example, there was that famous incident with Mencia. Did you ever watch the video where he called out Mencia? I think I did ages ago. Yeah, um, a lot of people have kind of, it, but it's been a while, right? It's, where where it's, was this again? Wow, refresh my memory. I'm sure it was the audience's th- memory. Yeah, yeah, I think it was in the OR. It okay, was in the real. OR. Because Mencia steals jokes like crazy. Exactly. Well, and, and especially as writers did. As writers used to come in and people knew who they were and they'd sit at the back of the room. And this is an old story, but, but we'll right. fill it in again. No. They'd sit at the back of the room and all of a sudden it would be on Comedy Central, you know, that week. And it's, it's Mencia acting it out. So they used to start to call him uh, Mind of Menstelia, which I think yes. is brilliant. And oh, I yeah. guess, I guess Rogan was on stage and Mencia either stole somebody's spot. He wasn't supposed to be performing, but he just came in that night. And I guess he just wanted to go up and somebody introduced him as Menstelia. So then nice. he kind of got pissed, right? As you would. Because in right. the comedy community, this is not a good move. And he no. turns around and he's like kind of talking shit. And then for whatever reason, the video starts and all you see is... Rogan's on stage having it out with with Mencia. But I mean, imagine that kind of tension. It's unreal. Like Mencia is as big as a comic can get at that time. Yeah. Joe isn't that big for stand up, but I mean he's known for Fear Factor and he's famous enough for sure. Yeah. Um but I mean to an audience when you don't know someone's a, uh, like what their stand up's about, but you just kind of know him from another show that's not really right. about comedy. 
Mm-hmm. You, sometimes you wonder what the hell they're even doing there. I mean, oh most God, of that's I just know. yeah. That most of that's just you not knowing the whole setup. But I mean, you know, Joe must feel this at that time, and Mencia's feeling like empowered, like he can do anything, and they just get into it. And he calls him out, and they they make it go live. And I guess he took some of Aries' jokes, and he took some of some other people's jokes, and yeah. uh, and that was it. That kind of collapsed him. But they, that's how Joe got banned from the comedy store. They said you can't come back. He was gone for seven years for sticking no up shit. for all the comics. Good on Joe, man. Fuck Mencia. Right. Fuck that guy. No yeah. one. Nobody in the comedy community liked him at all. No one. No. I mean, zero, zero respect for him from anyone. He was well, the, he was the, like... he was the Ted Cruz of comics. <laughs> even, even his colleagues fucking hate him. Oh, can he be the Jeb Bush, please? Jeb Bush is so much better than Carlos Mencia. <laughs> I just like how like lost and pathetic Jeb looks all the time. Like he's trying to be like, yeah. Hi. And he's like, what did you say? Jesus. He's like, I was the good son. I studied and didn't play sports. And fucking Harvard shit kicker is like, I'm going to be president. Fuck you. Yeah, I'm drunk and I love baseball. (laughs) And now now we all wish we had him back. Yeah. God. (laughs) But I digress. Yeah, exactly. And I I love the fact that with, with that move, it's almost like, and not like Joe did it on purpose and not to make too big a deal out of it, but he kind of sacrificed himself. He went away. He didn't yeah. fight the store. He just left. And ever since then, that energy was left. That message was left. Yep. And that video resonated. And all of that shit stopped at the store. Now, you know the energy better than me. Most of what I'm hearing is like handed down. But as one of the comics at the store... Do you, do, describe the the kind of environment and and how you guys work together and the community. Um, it's a pretty tight knit community. Um, I'm obviously one of the up and coming comics, so I don't hang out with the bigwigs or anything. But there is definitely a reverence from everyone. It's kind of it's the, it's like the hallowed cathedral of comedy now, and yeah. I always. I've always watched stand up ever since I was a little kid. We would watch like the like comedy live or something on Fox Sunday nights. It was on after like the Simpsons and get a life and stuff like that. And I would always watch it, but I didn't, I, I've never really bothered myself with the history of stand up comedy. It's kind of like, like, like in college when I studied theater, I hated theater history. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with comedy. I didn't really study the history of comedy. I study the science of comedy. Um, but do you get in there and you get, you immediately get, and I, I try not to take it for granted. Cause I was like my first show ever, um, or my second show ever is like, Oh, I'm at the comedy store. And then they book me for a bigger room. And they're like, Oh, I'm here. Oh, this is easy. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but it is like a hollowed cathedral and most people know it. And it's, it's, it's intimidating, but it's also a wonderful privilege to be able to get up on that stage where all the greats have performed. I mean, they're all their names and their headshots are all around you. There's no getting away from how, huge that place is and again it's the cathedral and so you have a reverence and i for at least from my experience with all the other comics there's such a support there everybody wants everyone to do well everybody is supportive and 
it's a good it's a good little community. I mean, I've encountered an asshole or two, and they generally I don't know I, I don't want to say they wash out, but it's just not the best way to conduct yourself. And if you're going to be an asshole, you better be the funniest motherfucking asshole ever because yeah. they're just looking for a reason not to invite you back. Yeah. And um, would yeah, you I just describe don't... it as kind of like a community of abundance where everyone feels like everyone can do well? Yeah, I think so. And those that and and those that aren't going to do well or those that don't do well, they you feel it. There's no you there's no bullshitting yourself when it comes to stand up. I if I met a stand up comic that bullshit himself, um I'd be amazed because you cannot fight what is out there. You can't fight the audience. So most of the people that stick around are the ones that, you know, are pretty good. And it's it's pretty supportive and it's pretty yeah. close knit. I mean, I've made a lot of friends from that. I've made a lot of friends. Um, you know, I like that stand up community. I want to make more, but I've met some sure. really cool fucking people that think about life in a really interesting, different way, which I love. It's yeah. a really cool place to meet people that come at life sideways. That because comedy is a constant, constant, never ending examination of life and the world and everyone thinks about it in those terms and so you meet a lot of really interesting smart people and occasionally you get the oh man i'm on tinder and i sent dick pics and this chick said that and you're like well but they'll wash out but you get the people that are really interesting and have something really interesting to say and those are those are people worth knowing man for sure i totally agree and that's why i love that change in energy from from what I've heard of other comedians talk about late 90s, early 2000s, where it was just this, you know, f- feast or famine mentality. Everyone yeah. was trying to get a, on the late night show or take over from a late night spot, you know, like exactly. uh, Letterman. And, and there was just not that many. It was like get an HBO special and everyone's just clawing at each other for like stage time and spots instead of saying, hey, we can all do this. We can all do great. This is hard enough. There's almost none of us that exist. There's way yeah. more heart surgeons than there are like paid stand-ups. I mean, it's ridiculous. Way more. Yeah, it's such a uniquely specialized job that takes so long to learn. I mean, so you know, long. to be fair, you could go from no college to being some level of surgeon in, yeah. I don't know what the shortest amount of time is, but maybe 10 years. You could yeah. do... Um, eight would be under you know four undergrad. Sorry, I school. lost you there. You there? What? Oh, you can't hear me. I'm losing you. Uh oh, we're doing a a phone call to make this. Um, yeah, I can't I can't hear you, brother. You can't hear me at all. There you are. You're back now. Uh, there we go. Th- okay, just just hang in there and make it work. So basically, how we're doing this podcast is Mark is at his house, I'm at mine, and we're just doing a phone call, and then and then we sync it all up. So oh yeah, bear you, with you, us. You if... should just you should just edit this out. <laughs> oh no, it doesn't matter. They can hear. Okay, how cool. We do this. They're gonna hear that the sounds a little different anyway, so it's fine. We have this lifted is the veil uh, on this masterful art that we have done no oh, yeah. yeah going going Jesus. back to your uh, listen to more your... of my podcast you realize there's no master <laughs> there's no veil there's yeah. no veil it's a shitty target curtain for ten dollars that's that's <laughs> um exactly yeah going it. back to your point about like there are more heart surgeons than paid stand-up comics people always used to ask me 
like you know because i'm from the southeast and people when i moved out here to be an actor i don't do that anymore but people were like how hard is it to make it in hollywood and i was like well i think it's as easy to become a successful actor in hollywood as it is to become the king of england and they would all be like laughing and i would just look at them in the face and be like no i'm serious like you don't have any fucking clue how difficult this shit is and i might put stand up like one degree below that to become a really successful stand-up comedian it's like becoming the king of england the odds are astronomical it's just really fucking hard it's really fucking hard but you know what i do this is what i like about it though just like uh, look acting of course you can learn but you can learn to be a great actor and never get any roles that you see 100 right yeah. people that know what they're doing but with stand-up comedy i don't believe that's true i believe that it is actually harder to learn it right? is i think it takes longer but if you continually learn continually find ways to grow and i don't know if everyone can do it but i think a lot of people can do it anyone that's made anyone else laugh ever and was Mm -hmm. kind of surprised that they even managed to do it can do this they that you get you will get something you will get spots you will get a show you will get yeah i think so learn and and so it's like whereas maybe the acting end is more of a lottery right you learn the basic skills and then and then maybe just with the right positioning you get picked this is different and that's what i like about it i don't there's some lottery aspect i mean there's a luck aspect to anything to anything mostly it's the hard work it's what we're doing tonight we're gonna put ourselves out there we're inspired by jeremiah watkins show that and joe rogan being up there if if he can Mm -hmm. say i have all these millions I could be at home with my family right now, but I'm going to give you, nobodies in the audience, an opportunity to make me feel like an asshole. I, how the fuck can you not respect that shit? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. You God have damn to. it, man. I'm so pumped for tonight. I can't wait. Just talking about this. Yeah, we should me do too. a Wednesday, one of these, right before the show every time. And assume we Let's have better it. signal. Love that. All right, yeah. guys, listen. Thank you so much for joining in and, and allowing us to waffle on and talk about comedy. But I really, I, I, I just wanted to give a shout out. This is a Joe Rogan Experience Review podcast. This is one of his major skill sets, his stand-up comedy. Uh, Mark and I love it to death and uh, have a lot of respect for, for how he goes about it. And I think he inspires a lot of other good comics. And he definitely gives them a voice so that we all get to hear them. And more laughter is better. So thank you, Mark, for joining me today. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. And thank you guys for downloading. Talk soon. Peace. Cheers.